a great good morning to everybody. I'm glad we could all be here. Uh, thank you again for this privilege that uh, I can come and speak to you. You guys are a great church. Noah, I loved your testimony. That was really spectacular. And uh, uh, so, Mark, you, you overdid yourself again. Um, you know, it sounded great what you told about me, and I don't deserve it. But <laughs> so we are in our 10th year. And it has been a very wonderful privilege to serve as an Awana missionary. There's only 60 of us in the United States. And uh, so that opportunity is kind of rare. Not very many people apply to be an Awana missionary because it's called work. But uh, it is because God has called and he's called the right men and women to this position and it's not a great position. It's not anything that deserves a crown or anything like that. It's a great calling to serve other churches. And uh, as Mark had mentioned, we have about 100 churches here in Maryland and in Washington, D.C. We're still growing. Even though we lost about 12 churches post-COVID, um, 10 of those churches, sadly, have closed their doors permanently. And the other two that uh, of that 12 have already called and said, we want to restart again next year. So I'm going, yep, no problem. We can do that. So uh, what we've also discovered is even with the loss of those 12 churches, here in Maryland and in Washington, D.C., we're roughly about 20% than we were pre-COVID. So in other words, we're down a few churches, but we're up. A lot of kids. And you probably saw that here in your own Awana ministry. And uh, uh, Mark was telling me that there's still a large variety of kids that are out there, that they're coming in here, and they are looking forward to talking with the Awana leaders to be here in God's house to uh, learn God's word. And you know, what's even better is they get to bring it home. They bring it home and they tell their mom and dads. They tell their brothers and sisters and their friends. And too often, we get a letter from a child who says, I remember when Mr. Smith, random person, was speaking five years ago. And he said something that I remembered. And it stuck with me for years. I have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I wanted you to know that. And I'm kind of going, why do they want to tell me? I'm nobody important. But the bigger point was, this child is shouting it out to the world. And so it's a privilege that I get to tell a lot of our folks in our home office and a lot of people who are virtual now that, hey, look, God's Word is living and active and it's working and it's here so we are seeing roughly way you know a, a very large increase in kids that are coming to know christ and it's it's weird we we look at this kind of a time clock uh year after year are we pre-covid post-covid mid-covid pre-trib you know well whatever but um this clock was reset in a lot of our churches where people are gauging, is it pre-COVID, is it post-COVID? 
God did a great thing with COVID. Yeah, it's scary. We don't like it. We don't want any part of it. But what he has done is he has made himself clearly known to churches around the world, to people around the world, that they can't stop this thing. God can and did. And that this is a good time to stop and reflect and see what we're doing, not only in the physical culture of our churches, but in our own hearts. We've had the time to slow down. We've had the time to sit down. Okay, granted, most of us were sitting in front of a TV or a computer, but we've had that chance to contemplate what God's Word is. And what we've discovered is a lot of people miss God's Word. We've seen an influx of people coming into the churches, into Awana ministry, VBSs. We've seen a large number of people not only crossing the border, but those Latino churches are gigantic. They want to hear God's Word without interference, and they're hearing it. Another place that's very active here in, uh, uh, in our Awana ministry is our Africa Public Schools ministry. Yeah, you heard that right, Africa Public Schools. It started in Zimbabwe, and uh, uh, it was, the, the story kind of goes, and it's pretty funny, that the, uh, the coup d'etat that occurred in Zimbabwe several years ago, he had to rebuild a, a full government. And he selected a lady whose name, I'm sorry, I just can't pronounce properly, and so she is a doctor, somebody, of now the Ministry of Education. And she was at a hospital visiting people. And she saw outside the hospital an Awana Circle or an Awana Square, whichever you want to talk about. If you're not familiar with it, it's uh, picture yourself a uh, two circles like a donut with an X going through it. And carve that into the ground, and kids are playing games around that structure. And so waiting in line to see this doctor, she saw these kids coming out of a, ch uh, out of a church, hundreds of them, quite literally about 300. And they were all lining up properly. They were lining up orderly. And they, the game director started the games, and she's looking at that and kind of going, what are all these kids doing? She ran over there, forgot her place in line to see the doctor because obviously she wasn't really that sick. And she saw all these kids running in circles, cheering themselves on. And kids were coming from the woods out in the fields and they're all listening to the kids having a blast. And by the time she figured out what was going on. She was being pushed back by the amount of kids in front of her to the point that she almost couldn't see. And she found the, uh, the games director a little bit later, and she asked him, what are you doing? Oh, this is Awana. And Awana? What's Awana? I've never heard of Awana before. Well, she figured it out, 
after talking to several churches and discovered that Awana was the core of their children's ministry. And she said, we've got to have this in our public schools. So she makes a trip to the United States and she goes to the Awana headquarters somewhere there in Chicago. It used to be in Streamwood. It's over in Chicago proper now. And she knocks on the door and somebody answered the door and said, hi, can I help you? And she said, well, I want to start Awana. Oh, that's no problem. Where are you at? Um, well, I, I'm not in this country. I'm from Zimbabwe. Oh, okay, fine. Here's our Awana missionary in Zimbabwe. Give him a call. No, 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 you don't understand. I, I want it for our schools. Oh, okay, you can do the schools, no problem. It, it's, it'll work in schools just as well. No, no, no. I want it for the whole country. Huh? You can imagine the gaping jaw on this lady's face. She said, I, I, I need you to talk to somebody else because I have no idea what you really mean. Heavy African accent, which was cool. And um, so they finally figured out that what she really wanted was a wana for every single public school in the country of Zimbabwe every day if they can do it. And our management team, they're kind of scratching their heads and they're going, how can we do this? It's amazing how God works. They started a ministry program there in Zimbabwe and they uh, forwarded it onto our people in the United States. And we are now supporting hundreds of these public schools. A church comes alongside a public school and they have Awana at least several times during the week. The kids are going crazy about going to school. Now, here in our country, how many kids can say, I can't wait to go to school and be bored to death? Well, that was me. But the kids are excited to come back to school. One of the really cool things is they're learning about God from the ground up. They're learning to read out of the Bible. They're coming into Awana, into the schools. They've had approximately a 100% uptick in the quantity of kids. They didn't realize how many children never went to school. And so there's kids of all age ranges going all over the place, and they are learning uh, God's Word. They're learning how to read. What they've also discovered was that there are leaders that are in churches, and they are learning uh, a greater depth of God's Word, and they're able to teach the kids when they come back to the school. And so what's, what's happening is the churches are getting full to maximum capacity. The, we had a complaint from a pastor that filtered through our system. And the pastor was saying, we ran out of water for baptisms. We had to go back out to the pump and pump up a few more gallons 
so we can dunk people in the pool. And so I thought that was kind of humorous in the sense that they're just so busy baptizing people. So many people are coming to know the Lord as their Savior. But the wonderful thing about having Awana in their public school system is that they bring it home. They're teaching their moms and dads, here's God's word. Little brothers and sisters are looking over their shoulder, hearing them read God's word back to the family. The other residual effect is that the pregnancy rate has dropped substantially in Zimbabwe. Violence dropped more than 50%. The slums are falling away slowly but surely because people care. Their moral depravity is way, way down. Their Bible knowledge has skyrocketed. They care for people. The belonging, the, the comradeship of being in a like-minded group of people called Christians is internationally known. 1.3 million children are expected to know, love, and serve the Lord Jesus Christ in the next year in Zimbabwe. I can't help but look at Acts 2.41, and it says, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Paul and his group of people that he was with were being persecuted at that time. And these little kids were seeing thousands coming to know the Lord just in a foreign country. What happened next was an interesting thing. They went to a, uh, uh, a Central Africa kind of a political conference, and they told eight other countries what they were doing and how Awana came alongside them. Eight other countries are now waiting in line to have have Awana placed in their schools. I wanted to go to Africa. I, if all was going on track, I'd be there now. We do have a team out there right now. Um, but I said, the first thing that I want to do is help those teachers and parents not only come to know the Lord, but like any good missionary, to help them further the gospel. And I got a very nice letter back from our home office, and they said, thank you. The, the encouragement is amazing how many people want to go to Africa to see this. And my ulterior motive was I wanted to see this miracle in place, what's actually happening. But they said, thank you, but no thank you. You're not needed. I'm kind of going, wait a minute, I'm a missionary. I'm always needed. They said, it's accelerating so fast that outside intervention would only do to slow things down. And I'm kind of going, good grief, what is God doing out there? I've got to go out there definitely. They said, hold, hold your horses. We've got eight other countries. 
we'll send you to one of those sometime in the near future. And we'll help, you know, we'll ask you to help Awana get started out there. And I'm going, I can't wait. I really can't wait. So when you think about it, Zimbabwe is going to have 1.3 million more kids listening to God's word. And I, I, I feel like a, you know, a, a little conspiring pirate or something like that, that, you know, hey, how can we make this work a little bit better? And believe me, Awana's on top of that, and things are going like a skyrocket. If you put that on a graph, from the time that the um, Minister of Education learned about Awana, the, the graph scale has just gone just like this. It's just gone almost vertical because kids are telling two kids who are telling two kids. You know how that goes. And that's how Christianity, in its sense, began from years ago. So I have to ask, you know, don't you wish we had something like that in our country? Even in, in our state, who knows? Maybe someday we will. Maybe someday people will wake up and realize that it's changing the country isn't about something new. It's about something old. It's not something that's woke. It's something that has already been woken up. So this is our Lord working. And this is the blessing that we have an opportunity to be a part of and to share. So as you have your Awana club, as you have your Sunday school classes, think about it this way. We may not see all the kids in the community. We may not see all the kids that are downstairs. But we need to keep them in prayer because they are the next generation. They are the kids that are going to further the gospel of Christ. There was a Barna uh, survey. If you're familiar with Barna, they, they do a lot of Christian surveys. And there was a, a survey that uh, they had done. Actually, I think it was at the beginning of the COVID season. Again, there's that calendar marker. And the number one person, people, thing that influences children the most. The one person, really, who influences them the most. We could all say they're friends. Um, we could say uh, TV, something like that. We'll get to TV in a minute. But the number one person is mom and dad. Number one. And, of course, you can understand that. You're a two-year-old. Uh, you know, you're not going to be cut loose to go wandering around the streets at two years old. Uh, you're going to want to be on top of things. So that's an influence there. And even then, after the kids graduate from high school, and if they've had a great relationship or even a moderate one with their parents, mom and dad are still the number one influence. I'll bet you can't guess who number two is grandparents. Because a lot of you, I can see that already, a lot of you are thinking uh, the internet, uh, friends at school. Nope. Somewhere along the lines, they're way down there. Less than you think. Number two is grandparents. Thankfully, 
I'm a grandparent. I got 12 kids. We were talking in our Sunday school class about grandkids and, and how, uh, you know, they, they don't teach them history anymore. The grandkids come to me almost every week, and they're going, Grandpa, I need to know a little bit about the Great Depression. Oh, believe me, you don't want depression. No, 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 the, the 1928 depression. Okay, that's good. Um, that I can help you out with. And the kids are getting together on a semi-regular basis. And they're asking me questions. I hold a class in my office with my grandkids, and I just reminisce about the things that happened in the 60s. Yes, I am that old. And, you know, what's, what my father told me, their great-grandfather, and also the things that my grandfather, their great-great-grandfather, told, told me also. So our influence lasts a long time. In that survey, somewhere around the middle of the most influential people, everything starts getting a little muddled. It includes school teachers, coaches, Boy Scout leaders, and even Awana leaders. I'm not saying that Awana leaders aren't doing a good job. Please don't get me wrong. The Awana leaders that I've had a chance to talk with at depth, their kids that are in their clubs just love them to death. I think Awana leaders, more than anyone in that middle category, who have spent time with their kids, who have challenged them. Their peers don't challenge them. You do. Our pastors challenge people to become better than what they are. To use God's word as a guide. And it's really wonderful to see the love and the respect when you're an Awana leader or a Sunday school leader or any kind of a leader of anything, and you have the opportunity to talk to people about the, the Word of God, you will, if you haven't already, have someone who you've mentored come back to you and say, do you remember when you told me dot, dot, dot? You're going to get that look on your face. First of all, who is this guy? Because they all grow up. That's happened to me a lot. And the next thing is, is I don't remember teaching that. And the third thing is, thank God you learned because I didn't think you were listening. Our children are our next generation. You see, as Awana leaders and Sunday school leaders, we only get these kids maybe an hour or two per week. Jesus was able to spend 24-7 for three years with his apostles. Amazing what they learned. But those kids learned from you in one hour per week. What did they learn? They learned God's word that they can pass on to the next generation. They learned a lot more than that. They learned a lot about morality, about the foolishness that's around the world today. And they've heard it from you. 
It doesn't matter if you're in Awana now. You've influenced other people, and it's going to continue to go. Back to that list. Somewhere in the bottom of that list of the most influential things is the Internet, social media. But that social media is growing so rapidly that it will overtake our live school teachers position within the next year. You think that it would make a difference now. Most teachers, thankfully, they say park your cell phones over here and then come in and sit down. So they actually have interface time. They've got roughly about six hours with kids per, week, uh, per day. That's a lot more than what we have time for. But yet, we still become the primary influencer. When we look back at God's word, it is so base and so foundational that it makes such a huge difference in people. Even in our wild world today, oh, I don't want to hear anything about God's word. You actually, they actually already have. They know not to kill. They know not to have adultery. They know to honor the Lord Jesus Christ because they don't come in and attack the church. I don't see anybody out there. They know also to honor their mother and their father, even though it may be on shaky grounds. So they've already got that base work. All we need to do is continue it. We need to reach out to those lost people. Kids are still influenced by social media, but where is it getting them? In most cases, it's leading them to depression. Why? Because it's a conflicted message. And I say social media in general. I mean, it could, they could be on Facebook, could be on TikTok, could be on who knows what. But as they share this with their friends and they say, hey, I was over at the Washington Monument today. And friends will say, wonderful. I, why did you go to such a capitalist type of a, a thing? Because we're, we're learning more about socialism in school than, uh, than capitalism. And they, they start to nitpick and then, they, then there's bullying. If those kids, in many cases, if they don't come up to their standards, or those, those peers that they hold in a higher esteem, you're going to start seeing a lot of depression. That's not my sermon today. But um, we need to care for our kids. We need to keep them in prayer. Because Satan is going to conflict them every single way that he can. Ministry takes time. Thank you again, Awana leaders, for taking the time to work with the kids. Thank you, uh, Sunday school teachers, for taking that time, that vital time to teach others, to share God's word with others, and to fill in the gaps. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us the mantra of what we do as Awana leaders. And it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. You've heard this. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped 
for every good work. You're, you're equipping people in every good work. What God says about social media, he says about a lot of things. And it's found in Proverbs 18.2. And of course, that's just one of many, many places. If you were to Google, Google what does the Bible say about fools, the list is almost endless. But in Proverbs, it says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, more or less understanding what you want to tell them, but only in expressing his opinion. In other words, they have become God. The fools are only interested in themselves. Most clicked on the internet, of course you know this, it's all pornography. The next is political hate. Those are the top two. There's always got somebody who's got something that's sensual, something that uh, attacks our senses. How are you? I'd toss the whole thing and start over. Start writing letters. People read letters. They don't read so much email. You ought to see my inbox. I've got 56 unread emails. Uh -huh. Sorry, but hey, look, when you work with 100 churches, you're going to get a lot. <laughs> but ministry does take time. Children today are looking for those wonderful role models. You're it. You are that role model. They're not going to find a role model on the cell phone. Do you remember, many of us do, Mr. Rogers and Walt Disney? I see heads going up and down. No, Mr. Rogers is not a bobblehead. Okay? I loved watching Walt Disney and the Mickey Mouse Club when I was a kid. Mr. Rogers would come on and I'd tune in for a few minutes and then go outside and play. Mr. Rogers, to me, was kind of boring. But for every little kid, it was boring. Both of them were great TV shows. Then again, if most of you remember, we only had three channels. Now we've got cable TV, satellite, and international. You've got a thousand channels to choose from, and you've got to pay for it. And frankly, only two or three of them I watch. Disney had the wonderful things like Daniel Boone, Davy Crockett, the Mickey Mouse Club, Peter Pan, Pinocchio, and my wife's favorite, actually my mother's favorite, was Lady and the Tramp. We'd go to the drive-in movie. Mom and Dad would start to cuddle. We're sitting in the back seat, and I'm going, Mom, I can't see the tits, can't watch the screen. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Lady, Lady and the Tramp was just a wonderful little kind of a family type of movie, if you've, you're familiar with it. And it was in color. And, um, you know, the whole Disney Channel was in color back then. And that was really cool if you got Disney. And if you had a color TV. And Mr. Rogers, for the most part, stayed in black and white. And, you know, it was still kind of boring. But you know what? There's a big difference about Mr. Rogers. He dealt with real life issues. Things that happened in a family, a new baby, bad grades, bullies, illness, divorce, even death. It was kind of hard for a lot of kids to tune in. But when he hit something, he hit it hard. 
And the kids would tune in who are facing mom and dad's divorce. Grandmother just passed away. And they needed that role model. What do we do? They're not even asking themselves, what did my forebearers do about this? They didn't even know to think that question. They had to ask themselves, what am I going to do? Mom and dad are divorcing. What am I going to do? Walt Disney was a great escape, but it wasn't reality. Mr. Rogers was reality. So I'm not knocking either one, but what I am saying is that we as leaders, we need to be reality. We need to be real. Kids out there are hurting now more than ever before. Downtown Baltimore, I serve two churches out there. The first thing I hear from every pastor is, what are we going to do with all these kids who don't have parents? And I mean they don't have parents. They're half-brothers and sisters because mother is promiscuous. Dads are nowhere to be found. They have no male counterpart. It's a struggle. The pastors in Baltimore, not so much in Washington, D.C., but it's really pretty much the same thing. Those pastors are the dads to a lot of those kids. They have a lot of work ahead of them. The kids can't go out at night because of the crime. We serve a church that's uh, on Eastern Avenue, and there isn't a week that doesn't go by that we don't hear about another person shot. It's a war zone. Pastors are tough. They are the hardest men I know. They've come alongside a congregation that's broken and ruined, but they're still there. These people are still there. They find solace in God's word. I thank God for them. When we look at Deuteronomy 6.4, uh, you know, this, this is the, the crux of the whole thing. We look at what God is trying to tell his children. Deuteronomy 6.4 starts out and it says, Hear, O Israel, hear, as in listen. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Um, okay. We understand that the Lord is one, one God. The people in that time, the Hebrews, did not know that. They were the children of a culture of multiple gods. And without diversion, in reality, our children are of multiple gods today as well. <clears throat> they have the internet, they have TV, they have social media, they have friends, they have other important things to do, which includes baseball and soccer. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to tear those down. It's great that they are involved in a lot of things, but we have to teach our children God's word. If we drop back just a quick page here, I put in a note late last night 
that when it says the Lord is one, we look back at Deuteronomy 5, 6, where you see the Ten Commandments in that chapter. And in Deuteronomy, it says, I am the Lord your God, singular, <clears throat> who brought you out of Egypt, the only one. God is saying he is the only one. There aren't two. There aren't 12. There aren't one for babies. There aren't one for this gender. There isn't one for whatever. He's the only one. Almost sounds like a commercial. But verse 5, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, we go back to that and it says, You shall love the Lord your God. You've heard this before too. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Again, it's singular. It's not plural. But that is the main message. That's what our Lord is trying to tell us. Don't put him second. Keep him number one. And it continues... In verse 6, and these words, the Ten Commandments, which I command you today shall be in your heart. That is, it's an everyday thing. It needs to be everything to you. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them, these commandments, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, teachable moments. Keeping God first in all you do. So I encourage the churches who are having VBS or who interface with kids that they treat God's word like an everyday thing. This isn't a Saturday night special. This isn't a Sunday morning event that we have to go to. This is God's word. And without it, we are nothing. It's important to us as teachers and leaders that if it's important to us, that is, it should be important to the kids to continue on in verse 8, and I'm almost done. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. Seen those rubber wristbands a few years ago that said, what would Jesus do? I've still got mine. And the problem is it broke. <laughs> However, the point remains the same. You wear a Jesus shirt to, to school. Kids are going to laugh at you. Principals might even tell you to go take it home. Now, if you've got LGBTQ and rainbow shirt, they can tell you to keep it. Wear it proudly. Why can't we be proud of Christ? I think he's a lot more important than LGBTQ, don't you think? That's our schools. That's for us today. Verse 9, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That's the first time post-it notes were ever referenced in the Bible. 
write a verse down, stick it on a post-it note, and slap it on the wall. Go to work. Do that. Write a verse on a post-it note. Stick it in the restroom. You're going to be surprised how fast people will respond to that. I did that one time over at North of Grumman. It was there for two days. I figured somebody would rip it down by now. It was there for two days until the custodian came in. This doesn't belong here. It went in the trash. That's okay. I put up a new one. However, the point is to present God first. I want to thank you all, the, especially the Awana leaders, as this season has closed out, as we prepare over the summer to start a new Awana season. That memory of these kids, that's going, to want, that's going to motivate them to come back. It's up to us to reach the next generation and their parents. Why? The parents. They've got the car keys. I think that's a big difference. Otherwise, kids aren't coming to church. We need to change our thinking from a children's ministry to a children's discipleship. Elevate this one. It's no longer just a ministry that the kids fill in a book. We are uh, building into these kids. We are mentoring these kids. Just like Jesus discipled his men, we need to disciple our children, whether they belong here at this church, at home, in the community. We need to disciple them. We need to teach them God's word. Because we're going to need them. We're going to need a lot more Davids who can face off Goliath. We're going to need Daniels to face Nebuchadnezzar. We're going to need Deborahs to face battle with faith and courage. Esthers to stay strong in faith and in trust. Ruth, not to be helpless. Samuels, to hear the calling of God. Joseph's to become men of intelligence and wisdom. These kids are our future. And I pray so much that we will continue to work with them, to mentor them, and be a part of their lives so the rest of our lives. Thank you so much for all that you do. Did you want me to close in prayer? Okay. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you again. You have blessed so abundantly, many times that we can't even count it. We can't understand the many things that you do. But we thank you for it. I pray that we will look to you first for everything. I pray that we will stay on mission. And I pray also especially that we will sit back and let you do your job without interference from us. But we want to see your magnificence in work like we've seen with five million children that are in Awana now and the many, many more that are coming. Father, you've blessed us so much that we can't count it. We're not a part of a different community that is struggling. 
That's one of your blessings. Father, thank you for your word. That's the greatest blessing. And I pray all of this in Christ's holy name.